I'm Dan Schifrin, and this is The Space Between, Dispatches from the Contemporary Jewish Museum. Today, we are with Rabbi Menachem Creditor from Congregation Netikot Shalom in Berkeley, California. Rabbi Creditor is on the Executive Council of the Rabbinical Assembly, which guides the country's conservative Jewish movement. Today, we're talking about the new exhibition, Radical Camera, New York's Photo League, 1936 to 1951. And we're exploring it through the lens of Jewish ideas of image and vision. We're having this discussion just before the Jewish holidays of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Welcome, Rabbi Creditor. Thanks for having me. The Photo League was a collection of mostly Jewish photographers who, during the Depression and during and just after World War II, attempted to transform documentary photography into something that was both a higher level of art and tool of social engagement. They created these arresting images of Harlem dance halls and Lower East Side tenements that asked viewers to see more deeply into society as well as see more deeply into the possibilities of photography. And their work falls into this creative space between art and action or between seeing and doing. My first question to you is, how does Judaism see seeing? I think it's a a very profound question, especially because within a Jewish context, there's so much that we aren't allowed to codify by capturing it as an image. The very fact that we're limited uh, away from depictions of heavenly bodies, of people, certainly of God as the primary rule, what not to try to capture. You talk about the kind of the anti-image piece of Judaism. It's a reference in part to the second commandment where we're told not to make graven images. I am indeed. But then the question is when you're done defining what you aren't, what are you? And then we have very little in the way of ancient iconography. That's one of the things that strikes me most when I travel to other religious settings. I'm overwhelmed by what I see. So how Judaism sees seeing, from a biblical standpoint, I think we're called to notice everything around us as either a blessing or a curse offered by God as part of existence. That space between that you mentioned, there really isn't much distance between seeing and doing. The question is, what is it that we're doing, and did we see well enough to make a good decision? In the summer, there's Torah portions. I mean, it's read during one of the Shabbat, the Sabbaths, called the Parsha Re'eh, where uh, it's basically about the nature of seeing and what we are called upon to see and how to see it. Yeah, I find myself um, dizzy with the possibilities of that very Torah reading. When it came time to read it this past year, I had just returned from Africa, and so much of what was stirring within me was a panoply of images I'd never seen before. Where were you in Africa? I was in Ghana. Uh, a little bit west of Accra in a district called Wineba. I was there with American Jewish World Service, part of a rabbinic mission where I think the ultimate goal was to teach us what we didn't know. And so that Torah reading begins with a commandment, Re'eh, see, I place before you today curse and blessing. Choose the blessing that you may live. And I think that my previous perception, speaking of seeing, was that I can choose to be involved in the world or not. And I didn't recognize that the end of the verse was actually a call to action. I'm fairly worldly, I thought, and paid attention to the world. And I knew there was such a thing as slavery. And until I saw fishing boats that were staffed by children who were sold by their parents, not because of crushing poverty, but in the context of it, I couldn't see the beauty of those boats. I couldn't see the water anymore. And it transformed the way I saw my own children when I came home. But in Ghana, I was part of a team of rabbis who were helping level a soccer field for children rescued from slavery. And as I say it, I can't believe that I'm saying it. I can't believe that I was there, which means I'm already not there somehow. I already disbelieve what I saw. The only thing I was able to share when I first returned was a series of pictures. 
but I didn't want to show it to anyone in person, so I uploaded them to a sharing site online. People were reacting to these pictures, and I found myself angry that it was so easy for me to share them and so easy for people to describe them. I want to read something from Maurice Berger's essay uh, in the catalog for the exhibition. And he's talking about the, the Harlem document, a series of photographs that a group of folks from the Photo League took in Harlem. And he writes, The documentary genre allowed photographers to transform distant, troubling events, which could easily have remained hidden from public view for reasons of politics, taste, or propriety, into shared public experiences that were, by the nature of the medium's evidentiary power, difficult to deny or refute. No, Harlem document shows a world that people wouldn't see otherwise. But how did they see it? Did they see it as some exoticized other, as I saw Ghana, as I'm unavoidably beginning to see the world again as other? Or did they see themselves reflected in it? It's a universal call for justice. I want to share one image from the exhibition that's been meaningful to me. It's by Jack Delano, and it's a picture of a dilapidated room. It's like there's maybe a picture of Jesus or a saint up on the top, and there's a very, very small child, African-American child. And I'm struck by this because it takes me a while to actually find the person. I see this child who's covered with a blanket, and the blanket is covered with filth, and the child's face is covered with filth and they're lying with a pacifier in a bed, and the walls have fallen apart all around them, and somehow their notion of God is looking right at them. And so what wells up inside of me is this deep sadness that God can notice, but nothing's going to happen until I do. When I mentioned the title of the exhibition, Radical Camera, you had a Jewish response to it. Could you say a word about that? So radical can mean strange, and radical can mean other. When I wield the lens, I'm determining what you see, how you see it, how close you are. No, so I was thinking about a Jewish term that, for me, points to the big idea, at least as I see it, which is the Hebrew word midrash is based on a very specific uh, root, which is doresh, it's to seek. Midrash is usually uh, invoked as pointing to narrative, to imaginative writing uh, in the Jewish collection of literature. But midrash is actually the impulse to do anything. Midrash is my curiosity, my insatiable need to make meaning, and so if I'm holding the camera, I'm telling you what to see, even if I try to erase myself from your experience. And so I wonder what strangeness means. You know, is it radical for me to see the world? I think at one time it was radical for me to see corners of the world, but despite how omnipresent images are, I still don't really see the world. I see the images. Jewish holidays have been described cynically by many people as they tried to kill us, we survived, let's eat. Which means that tucked into every holiday, or at least most, are moments of despair and death and almost annihilation. And so then we celebrate having not died, which means we have to experience the fear of death somehow, ritually, and then we eat, which means I'm really here, and then we eat so much that we know we're really here, and that's not really the point of the holiday. But the difference between most holidays and Rosh Hashanah is that Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, is not really a Jewish holiday. It doesn't celebrate anything Jewish. There is nothing about that holiday primary on the Jewish calendar that points to Jews or the Jewish experience or the escape from Egypt, which is the narrative we always recite in our ritual moments. It is about the creation of the universe. It is about every part of existence coming into being, and that's joyful. We say on Rosh Hashanah, that God counts every single human being. 
And so the images in radical camera that make me smile, I'm much better at focusing on the ones that don't. But in fact, there are moments where I'm supposed to smile. It's interesting the difference between seeing something with your own eyes and seeing a photograph. And I wonder about the way in which even the most powerful images, by repetition and by stripping the context of it over and over again, become less and less powerful. It's a question that people ask about you know, events like the Holocaust. You see an image you know, of the boy, the famous boy with the yellow star and his hands up. You see it enough times, can you still see it anymore? And it's the same issue with when you walk around the city and you see people who are struggling or homeless. It's easy not to see them. I think the difference between invisible and visible is the force of will that we're called to bring to bear. And unless I decide somehow to pay attention to it, to notice it, I'm not going to see a thing. All I'm going to see is the dial in front of me so I can change the station and the light that tells me I can leave what I just saw behind. And... I find ritual to be this incredible magnet for my attention. And I see photographs when they're art to be inescapable. I mean, the real difference for me between art and just an image is that I still see that art when I'm not looking at it. And other images, I don't really care about. And so that means for me, I don't want art to be its own discipline. I want art to demand of me an encounter with the world. Rabbi Menachem Creditor, thank you so much. Thanks, Dan.